Thank you for downloading a sermon from the Chapel of the Cross. The Chapel of the Cross is a welcoming, growing, and historic Episcopal Church in Madison, Mississippi. I invite you to join us for worship on Sundays at 8 a.m., 10 a.m., and 5 p.m., with church school for all ages at 9 a.m. Please also connect with us online at chapelofthecrossms.org. I hope this sermon enriches your walk with Christ. God bless you, and we look forward to welcoming you and your family to the Chapel of the Cross. loving God, write a message on our hearts, bless us, direct us, and send us out living letters of the word. Amen. Please be seated. On September 4th, 1774, the newly formed Continental Congress needed someone to deliver an opening invocation for their very first session. The Reverend Jacob Duchesne, a priest at Christ Church, Philadelphia, was tapped for the honor. Mr. Duchesne was well known across Philadelphia, and, and if this is true, this is fabulous. Mr. Duchesne was known for occasional fits of giggling during worship. How great is that? Here is some of Mr. Duchesne's prayer before that first Continental Congress. Look down in mercy, we beseech thee, on these our American states, who have fled to thee from the rod of thy oppressor and thrown themselves on thy gracious protection. Give them wisdom and counsel and valor in the field, to defeat the malicious designs of our cruel adversaries. Convince them of the unrighteousness of their cause, <clears throat> excuse me. and if they persist in their sanguinary purposes, constrain them to drop the weapons of war. Be thou present, O God of wisdom, and direct the councils of this honorable assembly. Enable them to settle things on the best and surest foundation, that the scene of blood may be speedily closed, that order, harmony, and peace may be effectually restored, and truth and justice prevail and flourish amongst the people. John Adams, the second president of these United States, a member of that first Continental Congress, and a Congregationalist who was generally weary of Anglicans, apparently said of Mr. Duchesne's invocation, I confess I have never better heard a better prayer or one so well pronounced. He prayed so pertinently with such fervency, purity, and sublimity of style and sentiment that even the Quakers shed tears. Fast forward almost two years, when on July 4th, 1776, after finally declaring independence from England, members of the Continental Congress gathered in Christ Church to pray. They also had an ulterior motive, because they also wanted to cajole the parish's vestry to endorse this revolutionary enterprise. 
And after a hastily organized meeting, the Christ after a hastily organized meeting, Christ Church did renounce its previous loyalty to England and removed King George's portrait from the sanctuary wall. The Reverend William White, Mr. Duchesne's successor, promptly rewrote some of the prayers in his prayer book, where once read that it may please thee to keep and strengthen thy servant George, our most gracious king and governor. Instead, he penciled in that it may please thee to endue the Congress of these United States and all others in authority, legislative, executive, and judicial with grace, wisdom, and understanding to execute justice and maintain trust. Now, here ends my traditional Fourth of July weekend delightful recitation of history, and we move into some actual theological content about which you may have mixed feelings. But listen again to those penciled but potent words, with grace, wisdom, and understanding to execute justice and maintain trust. Those words echo his predecessor's words from 18 months before, that order, harmony, and peace may be effectually restored and truth and justice prevail and flourish amongst the people. That's a lot. That's a tall order for any endeavor. But if you were to summarize and condense all of these lofty and noble concepts, I would choose two words, two words that Reverend Duchesne and Reverend White and all the members of the Continental Congress might hold above all others, and those are peace and justice. Moreover, those two words remind me of part of our baptismal covenant, specifically the final question. Will you strive for justice and peace among all people and respect the dignity of every human being. Peace and justice were goals of Jesus when he instructed his disciples in today's gospel. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Go on your way. See, I am sending you out like lambs into the midst of wolves. Carry no purse, no bag, no sandals, and greet no one on the road. Whatever house you enter, first say, peace to this house. And if anyone is there who shares in peace, your peace will rest upon that person. Jesus sent his friends, his followers, his disciples out into the world to spread peace and justice. And that's what he meant when he said, the kingdom of God has come near. But peace and justice are complex and complicated words and concepts, and the definition of either can vary wildly from person to person. But the prophet Hosea said, hold fast to love and justice and wait continually for your God. And the prophet Isaiah described Jesus as the Prince of Peace. His authority shall grow continually and there shall be endless peace. He will establish and uphold it with justice and with righteousness. But how do we find peace and justice? 
and how we maintain it is difficult to discern. These, do, these days, those words can seem more and more difficult to define or even accomplish. And, and perhaps I am a coward, I will not attempt a definition or offer a strategy to accomplish it this day. But if we agree that peace and justice are our goals, to begin, I might read again our passage from Hebrews. Paul reminds us that by faith Abraham set out not knowing where he was going, and by faith he stayed for a time living in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. And all of these died in faith without having received the promises. But from a distance, they saw and greeted them. They confessed that they were strangers and foreigners on the earth. For people who speak in this way make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. Such faith and such, I might presume, striving for peace and justice in their lives, in their faith, and in their homeland requires of all things, perhaps above all things, humility. Abraham and his descendants did not know where they were going, and they confessed that they were strangers and foreigners. Perhaps that might be one way to begin to work on finding peace and justice by being humble enough to know that at times we don't know where we are going and perhaps we need help to accomplish our goals. Thomas Merton, the 20th century monastic writer, once prayed with brutal honesty and humility, my Lord God, I have no idea where I am going. I do not see the road ahead of me. I cannot know for certain where it will end. But I believe that the desire to please you does in fact please you. And I know that if I do this, you will lead me by the right road. We celebrate much this 4th of July weekend. And as Christians, we have much to celebrate every day. But if we desire peace, and justice in our hearts, in our nation, in our faith, and in our church. Perhaps the first step is to be humble and to occasionally erupt in a fit of giggles. Amen.